Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Go Boldly podcast. I'm Scott Spate, your host, and I am truly, truly excited today to, to have on the show Jordan Mendoza. Um, Jordan and I were on a, I was on his podcast last week, and just it was a phenomenal time, and and really excited to just have have you on, Jordan, just to hear your story, to see, you know, as we were talking before, you you talked about how lots and lots of failures got you to to where you are, and and I think that's the secret to success. And so, welcome to the show, Jordan. No, I appreciate it, Scott. It was great having you on my show, and I appreciate the opportunity to hopefully uh, share some things that might inspire your audience to take action, because that's really what I'm all about, because without action, it's very hard to create momentum. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I've always I've always been told and coached on that, you know, you can you can lay around and expect something to happen, or you can actually take that first step. And the minute you take that first step, it's like God just starts to bring people into your life that um that are meant to be there but you you have to take that first step unlike unlike the book the secret right that just teaches you just to sit around and, and wish it to happen but um but i think there's there's got to be that first step that's got to be that's got to be made so jordan tell tell my audience who who are you and where did you come from and how did you get to to this point yeah so well first off i'm a, a husband i'm a father you know we we have five beautiful children, three boys, two girls. And, uh, you know, I actually, uh, you know, grew up in the Pacific Northwest. I was born and raised in Portland, Oregon. And I had, you know, uh, I had a pretty interesting, I would say childhood, you know, my mom was actually born, uh, in the fifties with one lung and, you know, back in the fifties, when you have a medical condition like that, they basically told my grandmother, they said, you know what, she probably won't live to past 18, she definitely won't be able to have any kids. And like, here's your, here's your baby. You know, that was kind of the, the hand of cards that she was dealt, but she, uh, she didn't really take that and and use that as a bit, this big crutch or this big ailment. You know, she, uh, she actually ended up living to 54 years old with, with all of the things that were happening in her body with, when you have one lung, it, you know, it messes up eventually your liver, your heart, everything has to overcompensate, but she ended up, you know, making it to 54. She ended up having five boys. Actually, my uh, youngest brother's 20 years uh, younger than me was actually, she actually had after she was 40 years old. So just an incredible story of someone that, you know, took that uh, hand of cards she was dealt and, and really didn't use it for excuses, but she just tried to make the best of what she could. And, uh, and she did her best, you know, she really couldn't work. So we were pretty poor food stamps, section eight housing. We moved a lot. I think I moved 14 times between birth and 14, uh, had an alcoholic, uh, stepdad who, you know, that was tough. You know, he was uh, abusive to my mom and until I confronted him one time at about nine years old and, uh, he never, you know, hit her again after that. And, and recently though, just to kind of show you that, uh, miracles can happen. He's just celebrated last week, 30 years of sobriety, you know? So, um, so I'm excited, you know, for him and that journey, I know it couldn't have been easy, you know, uh, dealing with, with stuff like that, but people can change, you know, we just have to be willing to kind of, you know, take inventory and make those hard decisions and those hard choices to move forward. But, um, you know, so I grew up with a big family, right? Brother, uh, a bunch of brothers. We were all uh, played soccer for 12 years, played baseball for 12 years. That was the one thing my mom figured out, whether it was a scholarship or, 
you know, getting money from playing bingo. She figured out how to like keep us kids involved in sports. She wanted us to be active. Um, You know, my mom actually was raised uh, and grew up a Catholic, but she let us go to an assembly God church, which, which was a Pentecostal Christian church. And I, and I know that had a major influence on my life and, and kind of what the outlook that I had, you know, barring all these circumstances that I was dealing with. I, I kind of had a piece about it and didn't let negative situations sway me into the darker side of things. I've always just had this optimistic and positive perspective. But I think a lot of it, honestly, Scott, it really, I give credit to my mom because she stayed positive. She still had a smile on her face. She still showed us how to have a sense of humor, even in, you know, the midst of these dark circumstances and situations. And I almost lost her a ton as a kid. She was sick. I remember, you know, taking, you know, a sticky note at a hospital and we would write back and forth because she had have like a tracheotomy and having to communicate with her. So at a very, very young age, I developed this thing called empathy. Uh, and it's wow. something that when you have it and when you can harness it and when you can tap in and activate it, it's such a powerful thing. And not everybody has it, unfortunately. But, um, you know, I had some some pivotal moments, which I'd love to dive into here in a second as a kid. Absolutely. You know, it, you mentioned something that that I think is absolutely important. To, um, it sounds like even though, you know, she grew up Catholic and probably didn't get a chance to, to attend church a whole lot, but it sounds like her faith. Um, really allow her and help her to overcome a lot of her obstacles as well and play a pivotal role in your life. And that's, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your journey as far as that's concerned as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think I was like most, uh, teenagers growing up in the, in, you know, the, the nineties, right. Where, you know, we, you're, you want to do the right thing, but you make some stupid decisions, you know, running around. I, I, you know, unfortunately was good at shoplifting when I was, when I was a kid. Um, You know, I think I always tell uh, even clients today, I tell them this, I was like, you know, we have a choice every day to use our influence for good or bad. And when I was a knucklehead teenager, there were times when I didn't use my influence for good, but because I had that influence, I could get away with things. Right. And now I look at it and I, you know, and often when I'm speaking to youth groups and speaking to the younger generation, it's like, listen, I want to tell you this story. So you don't make some of the stupid choices that I made. And luckily most of the times I never got caught, you know, Um, but it's not worth it, especially in 2023 where, where you've got cameras on. I mean, there's so many ways to find some, Somebody, you can't really be a knucklehead in 2023 and get away with it. You know, back That's in the true. 90s when, you know, there were pagers and not really a lot of cell phones or cameras or footage, yeah. you know, uh, I kind of had the generational luck where I was born in a time where technology wasn't really developed yet. So, but again, you know, influence, right. That's, that's a massive word that we see. We see influencers, right. And not all influence is good. And I think that's something that if, uh, for anyone that watches or listens to this, like, I would challenge yourself. How am I leveraging my influence today? Am I, you know, leveraging it for something that's positive, that's going to push people in a positive direction, or am I using my influence to take advantage of people? And, and I think, you know, all of us, we're humans, you know, we're imperfect people on an imperfect planet. And, uh, you know, we have this thing called free will. Right. And so, you know, as we become an adult, you really have to identify what do you want to do with that free will? You know, how am I going to use this to my advantage or use it to my detriment? Oh, my gosh. You know, you it sounds like that 
even though you used your influence in the in the past for the negative, it has it has carried over into your into your who you are today because I know that you've got a huge and wide influence um just you know just in your sphere and and that's and that's huge and that's um I think that's been beneficial for you to to where you are today. Yeah, you know, and I I think uh you know most of us are, you know, either introvert or extrovert. I, I do believe there are some people that are, are are kind of cuspers, right, where they can kind of play a balance on both sides. But you know, at the end yeah. of the day, we all do, you know, extroverted or introverted things. We just don't do them with equal ease. And what what that really looks like in a practical standpoint, it, like I get energy from being around people, and after I'm around people, I can go get around more people. Whereas if if I was more introverted, uh, where I get my energy from the internal, I could get around a bunch of people, but I would just need to recharge my batteries for a lot longer of a time before I get back around people, you know? So, so I recognize at an early age that I had this gift. And I remember my mom used to always tell me, she's like, it's like you were born talking and you just didn't stop, you know? And so, you know, even, even as a five and six-year-old, when I was trying to figure out how am I going to get money for candy? You know, I didn't, we didn't have any money. I would literally go door to door, knock on doors and collect cans. And I would take those in and, and exchange that for the deposit. And if I knew I could turn in five cans, I would have a quarter, I could buy a lollipop. Right. So I was very creative and intuitive. And that really played well when I started playing sports and selling beef jerky and candy bars, I would sell out all the time because I had no problem knocking on a door, looking someone in the eyes, building relationship. Uh, and, and, and that has really, really paid off for me, uh, in my career, you know, before I I became an entrepreneur, it, it really paid off. But, you know, I had some pivotal moments uh, as a kid. I, in fourth grade, uh, I don't still don't know why Scott to this day, we had a picnic to celebrate fourth grade graduation, but we did, this is the eighties, you know? So we, uh, we go to this big park called, called, uh, pier park and, and we're doing everything you would think at a picnic. This is when tetherball was legal. So we're playing tetherball, we're playing baseball, you know, uh, water balloon fights, you know, all the fun stuff that I think is eliminated from schools in 2023, but we're doing all that. And and I remember I was up to bat and I kind of swung the bat and I missed the ball and I spun around and the ball flew and landed under this big Douglas fir tree. And so I run over to grab the bat and when I grabbed it, I stood up, there was a beehive on top of my head. And I started immediately getting stung. Bees were all over me. I literally ran. Kids saw me coming and were running for me. I bolted towards the teachers. They started running when they saw this cloud of bees chasing me. And eventually some of the good teachers grabbed coolers, threw them on me and started kind of picking bees off me. But I got stung 53 bees stung me, 53. And the reason I know the number is like, we were literally counting them at the doctor's office, like as we're still pulling out stingers. And I remember about two weeks before that event, I watched the movie, my girl. And I don't know if, if for anyone that's um, dating myself here, but there was a B situation in that movie. So I thought I was a goner for sure. You know, I thought, I thought I wouldn't make it. And luckily I wasn't allergic to bees and I survived. And, you know, I I actually thought I was immune after that. I would go pick up bees and just let them walk around until I got stung by a yellow jacket in my eye. A couple of weeks later, I was like, all right, I'm not immune. (laughs) I'm not immune to bees. But, you know, that was kind of a, it was a pivotal moment. Right. And that's something that, you know, I'll remember forever. And, and you know, I, I again, there was a little sense in me that, OK, maybe I'm here for a reason. Like I survived this. There's got to be a purpose 
for why I survived. And, and I don't know if I figured that out yet, but I, I kind of have a sense uh, that I know why I'm still here. Um, but that was kind of one pivotal moment in fourth grade where I experienced some adversity. It kind of toughened me up a little bit. I, I knew I could kind of, you know, deal with a hard situation. Um, the next one, Scott came at 12. So remember I told you we moved 14 times between birth and 14. Well, one of those moves was uh, I moved two towns away in, in uh, my sixth grade to seventh grade summer. And I moved from like one ghetto area to an even worse one. And I had to take two public buses just to get back to my middle school. And so my mom like practiced with me during the summer. She like went on the bus with me so I could kind of understand the route. I'm like uh, Google Maps when it comes to geography. I'm really, really good. I can go somewhere once. I've got a photographic memory. So it didn't take me long to figure it out. And my stop between catching my second bus was at a 7-Eleven convenience store. And so I was doing my routine, Scott. I was playing Mortal Kombat 2 as I did every morning, you know, and I was just kind of playing the game. I heard the bells ring in the 7-Eleven. And then I heard a, a male voice uh, say, hey, Daniel. And I didn't reply because I'm Jordan and I just kept playing the game. And within literally about a minute, my body, I felt be lifted in the air. I was thrown against the Terminator 2 pinball machine that had a gun for the trigger. I was punched in my side, my ribs, thrown on the ground and handcuffed. And they said, oh. we know that you're uh, a runaway. We know that you assaulted somebody. They threw me in the cop car and I was crying. I was, I was begging the cops. The lady at the store, I knew her, her name is Rosa. She met my mom and she's like, hey, you've got the wrong kid. This kid's here every day. They said, shut up or we'll arrest you too. I mean, they were just nasty to her. And my only saving grace, Scott, is I said, listen, officer, I don't do my homework that often. I don't know why I admitted that to him, but I remember saying this vividly. I was like, but if you reach in my right pocket, you will see that I have my homework in there. And man, Scott, when I tell you, it was like kind of like slow motion where he just, you know, you reached in, he grabs out this sheet, he unfolds it. It said Jordan Mendoza. And when I tell you, he looked like he saw a ghost. He knew he screwed up. And he unhandcuffed oh me. He like puts me on, gives me his phone, tells me to call my mom and tell her there was a misunderstanding. You know, he drove me to my, to my uh, friend's house because my mom wasn't in the area. And uh, I was still upset, obviously all day. So my mom eventually got there to pick me up and asked me what happened. When I explained it to her, she was like, are you serious? Like they didn't say any of that. I'm like, well, I know mom. And, and, you know, this could have been one of those CNN, you know, it could have been one of those big things, but there was just something inside of me at 12 where I said to my mom, I said, mom, you know, of course we went to the doctor. I got you know, bruised ribs, wrists were bruised. I mean, all these evaluations, psychological evaluations, asked me to look at pictures. What do you see? What do you think about police? And I didn't have any, I wasn't harboring any negativity. I just said, yeah. mom, I honestly want them to lose their jobs because what they did was wrong. And that's, yeah. that ended up being the outcome. And I kind of moved on with my life. And, you know, and I think seeing her in pain, seeing her suffering, my great grandmother got cancer and, you know, had some brain tumor issues and got dementia. I saw her go through that. So I developed that empathy, right? That word that we talked about earlier. And at 12, it was in the sense was in me that like, they should definitely lose their jobs, but this is not something I want to pursue. I don't want to look at this and have this be kind of this cloud that's hanging over my life. Man, you, you, you experienced and watched a lot go on in different capacities at 
just from a very young age with your mom, your grandmother, this experience, um, that's a lot for a young under 14 to, to experience. I mean, that's just, that's a lot to unpack. You yeah, know, just no, it's, it. yeah, it was, it was a ton, you know, but uh, I, I think for me, I'm one of those people that I let things, and, and we talked about this offline. I think when we were doing your show, I'm, I get negatively motivated. Like I kind of use it as, as fuel, you know, and I use yeah. it to kind of show me, okay, this is, this is the way that I don't want to be as an adult. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to beat people. I don't want to leverage my power and take advantage of, you know what I'm saying? So like, there's so many lessons that I was able to kind of process through and extract in real time that I don't think if I didn't have the earlier adversity with, you know, my stepdad and with the bees that I might not get there. Right. And I'm a, I'm a big believer that everything that happens to us is for a reason. There's a purpose, you know, we can use our mess for our message. Right. And our tests become our testimonies, like all these things that occur in us. If we can extract the lessons. That's probably one of the hardest things, but if we can extract the lessons, you know, how, what did this do for me, not to me, right. And not play, be a victor versus a victim. I mean, there's lots of different ways that you can, you can spin a coin. And I think I've always taken the optimistic and more positive approach, which again, I credit my mom and I credit, you know, uh, definitely lots of good Sunday school lessons and, you know, people (laughs) speaking, speaking life into me, you know, maybe when I didn't deserve it, you know, I think mentors and coaches and, and all of that are are super important. You know, I remember we, I remember us talking the other day about somebody telling you you can't do something and that, that just, that's always fuel for me. It motivates me. And, um, I, was, I ran track in high school and we were, I was on the, um, one of the teams where we handed off the baton and we dropped it three times in one race. And if you've ever dropped a baton in a stadium, it, you can hear it like three counties over. I mean, it's, and, and I remember that night coach throwing me into another, another race just to get some points. And he basically looked at me and said, you're not going to, you're not going to finish or you're not going to win this thing anyway. So you might as well just jump in and just do what you can. And I thought, I'll show you, I went out and won the race. It wasn't even my race. I mean, like these were people that normally ran this and, and I just, I used that to motivate me. And in looking back, I, I think he knew what he was doing in that moment to get my head back in the game. And something that I, I see, you know, young people today, when they hear that they can't do something, they have a tendency to just go, okay, and quit. And I, I think that we need more. And part of, you know, part of what we're, I'm trying to do with Go Boldly is, is help people to, to be bold and to, um, instead, of, instead of taking that message and going, okay, I'm going to go home, taking that message and saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure it out. I'm going to do something with it. And I just yeah. think that's, that is incredibly powerful, incredibly powerful. Yeah. Well, I did something bold right when I finished high school. I, I, I moved out of state. Like I got, you know, answered an ad in the newspaper, got a sales job. I moved from Portland to Seattle and I was, you know, an 18 year old, packed my car up, you know, packed up, you know, took, stole my big brother's TV, which he was pretty upset <laughs> <laughs> that I didn't ask him for, I took this TV. I think I still owe him 75 bucks for that TV probably. But, uh, and I moved to Seattle and, and I started this sales journey and was there a few months and we got called down to California to open an office down there doing sales. And, and this is not, this is not 
easy sale. This is door to door. This is business to business. This is, you know, you're talking to a hundred people getting a hundred no's a day, every single day and waking up and going and doing it again for some crazy reason. And and man, when I tell you uh, those skills that I develop doing that type of sales uh, has, has paid its value time and time again uh, as an adult, right? Because there's so many people that don't know how to have eye contact with adults, right? And that's a fundamental skill in sales. They don't know how to read people. They don't know how to storytell. They don't know how to think on their feet. And when you're getting, you know, 90 to hundred people telling, you no know, every day that develops tough skin, you know, and those become a breeze and, and it's easy. So there's so much that I learned, you know, by doing that type of sales, I did that for almost five years. And, and, uh, you know, I, I told you on your podcast, but I'd love to share with the audience here. So we, we were actually opening another office. We were moving from California, going to open an office uh, on the East coast of New Jersey. And, you know, we took kind of the scenic route. We drove, uh, we went down to Arizona, we went up to Utah to Colorado, and, uh, we eventually in the state of Wyoming. And, you know, it was four in the morning, you know, very desolate and dark. My buddy Jeremy was was at the wheel driving and uh, he ends up falling asleep at the wheel. We're going north of 70 miles an hour. The truck ends up sliding and rolling several times. He gets ejected, life flighted to Casper. I got didn't realize I was injured, but had a 12 inch cut on my right leg and an eight inch cut on my left. The one on my right leg was a fist deep. My hand literally slid into my leg. That's how I realized I was injured. In addition to smelling a very strong iron smell, which was all the blood. I was, I lost pints and pints of blood would not have made it unless there was off duty EMTs that I mentioned had shown up and uh, called the ambulance and, and rushed me to the hospital. And and you know, one thing I didn't tell you the other day was the the story that led up to me being in that truck. And, and you know, I'm a big believer that you know sometimes we don't get what we ask for, but there are plenty of times we get what we ask for. And sometimes what we ask for is not what we wanted, if that makes sense. And so in Utah, uh, we were in a Walmart parking lot, and my buddy Brandaris, we're still friends today. He lives in Oakland, California. Him and I literally, Scott almost gotten a fist fight. Uh, we were debating like who was going to ride in the cool truck, which is the truck that I was in. And literally we almost fought. Well, I got what I asked for, right? I, I was the one that rode in that truck. But when I woke up in that hospital bed, Scott, and the first face that I saw was my buddy Brandaris. I looked him in the eyes and I said, I'm glad it was me. Cause I thought about it in that moment. I said, what if he would have been in there? You know, what if you had won the argument and he would have been sitting differently than me? Like I had to have been sitting exactly where I was sitting because when you look at the truck, it was caved in everywhere except that little area that I got to be tucked into. I I would have been crushed instantly. And I just looked him in the eyes because I just had this picture. Like, what if Brandaris was there? Like I was meant to win that argument that day. I was meant to be there because God knows that we can handle everything that he puts us through. And he knew in that moment that I could be the one that was going to walk out of this, even though they told me I I might not walk again, even though they said this was going to be a long journey. Again, I took it as fuel. And I said, you know what? 
I'm not going to live in a freaking walker. Like I'm going to push past this. And I literally made a recovery by God's grace in six months, full recovery, back to break dancing, back to running, back to playing basketball. And you can't tell me that, that, that that's not God, because, you know, I'm not that strong and gifted and, and, and yeah, I'm not a doctor. Like I don't, I don't do things like that. And I also didn't do all the stuff that they told me to do probably in the right way. I probably pushed it to the max a little bit, but you know, the one thing I hope for your audience is that, you know, um, whatever hand of cards that you're dealt in life, uh, you know, you may be dealt a hand of jokers. It doesn't mean you can't turn that into a full house. And I did that literally, but also, uh, I did that figuratively and literally the literal side is, uh, when I, you know, met my wife, I had got another sales job you can probably see, I like sales, but I got a sales job in, in 03 and uh my wife my wife now of 20 years was working at that company and when we met it was just kind of this instant connection you know she kind of was chasing me a little bit i was playing hard to get and we eventually became roommates you know and then i started dating and uh during the dating period she told me she's like listen unfortunately some things happened when i was a kid and um, the doctor said i won't be able to have any kids and, you know, I was heartbroken because I wanted a family I and, mean, you know, I grew up in a big yeah. family, and, but I, w- I was just like, I was content. I said, okay, well, we'll see where our relationship goes. Fast forward a couple months later, uh, she gets pregnant. And of course I'm looking like, wait a minute, what about the no kids thing? What happened here? And so, you know, we start getting excited about this, this, you know, new life that we're, we're, we're going to be creating together. And unfortunately she ended up having a miscarriage. Uh, and, and man, that, that crushed us. I mean, going from not supposed to be able to have kids to now it's a possibility to now your, your kid is gone. I mean, the whirlwind of emotions that, that took place and, you know, we both broke down and we cried and, and we prayed. And a few months later, uh, she got pregnant again with our oldest, who's now 18. He's going to be 19 in December and, and alluding back to the full house. We now have three boys. And two girls, which in a game of cards is a full house, right? And our house is definitely full. So again, wow. you may be dealt a hand of jokers, folks, if you're listening to this or you're watching this, but it doesn't mean you can't turn it into a full house. Absolutely. I'm, I'm reminded of, of Nick Wojcik, the guy that was born with no arms and no legs from Australia. And, um, and I remember him t- sharing a story that um, he said that when he was younger that his mother refused to get get uh, cups and and plates out of the the cabinet up top. She made him f- figure out a way to get them himself. And a lot of people would be like, "Oh my gosh, what a mean mom!" But I think her her intuition and her her future self knew that forcing him to to overcome those obstacles was absolutely absolutely going to be critical. And and I. Just in hearing your story, listening, you know, listening to your story, your mom was instrumental in, in doing the same thing for you. You know, 100%. maybe she didn't, yeah, maybe she didn't force you, but but you watched her overcome, and it's like, you know, I'm just listening to, well, to all. It's, the it's all not the- just it's not just watching though, Scott, because she she words was kind of her thing. Words of affirmation was her thing. Like she would always tell yeah. me, "You're gonna get that job." you can do it. You're going to be great. Like she fed me positivity. So my bank, you know how, if we kind of look at our 
our life and we our, our day we have this bank right my bank has always been full it's always wow. been full of positives and you know over time as we get go through hardships that bank starts to drain but i don't even feel like it's reached a depletion yet right because even though I, i've had so much stuff people always ask me like how are you so positive like you've had this happen this has happened and and we're not even a quarter of the way through all the stuff that's that's happened but i'm like you know what it's it's all good like as long as i'm waking up right if i wake up tomorrow i won you know I'm, yeah. you know if i was a cat i'd be definitely at life number 11 probably right so wouldn't wouldn't be here so it's like hey every day's a great day every day that i get to put my feet on solid ground like i'm that's a victory to me and 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 now i've got you know the next 24 hours to see what i can do with that you know and if we can kind of shift our perspective a little bit and look at it like every day is a gift. Yeah. You know, how do I maximize this time that I'm that I'm gifted here on this planet? Uh then that really shifts for us, you know. And and a lot of the stuff that I'm kind of speaking to, uh none of this would have happened if I wouldn't have in my early 30s started really diving into professional development and and honestly, you know, that came from you know, when I mentioned our oldest is about to be 19. Well, when he was born, like we weren't doing so hot folks. Like we were living in uh, Louisville, Georgia, which has one traffic light. I was doing odd jobs for my wife's stepdad. We were living in a literal trailer with my wife's grandmother with a newborn. And I remember wow. like taking inventory of my life at that point and saying, like, there's got to be more here. Like there's got to be this. This is not what my life's going to look like. And I made one of the hardest calls that I'll ever make, Scott. And that was to my dad. Cause you know, I'm, you know, I haven't really talked much about my dad. And so let's go into another story. So, uh, you know, I knew of my dad when I was a kid, uh, would get cards in the mail. I knew he was from the Philippines, but, uh, my mom one day when I was 12 years old, she said, Hey, um, how would you like to go to Washington DC and meet your dad? I said, cool, mom. Like, when are we going to go? She's like, no, 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 I'm not going anywhere. Like he, he wants to buy you a ticket and fly you out there for the summer. You know, and I'm here, I am 12 years old, you know, uh, you know, summertime. I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, I'll, I'll go for it. I'm very kind of easy going. And I remember flying from Portland to Minneapolis, St. Paul. I'm in, I'm in this massive airport and I've got all my like Portland trailblazer stuff. And I see all these people and it's just like a new world. And then from Minneapolis, St. Paul to Washington national, uh, airport. And, and then I meet this Asian family, you know, and I'm just like, all right, here we go. And, and so I spend the summer like meeting my dad, my grandparents from the Philippines flew in town. And, and man, I almost felt bad for my siblings because I was going to water parks. My dad had had us, you know, built a successful landscaping business. He had money, he bought me stuff. And I'm sitting here kind of almost feeling bad for my siblings that are back yeah. in Portland, like broke and not being able to do stuff. Um, but I was trying really, really hard to get to know him, you know, and even though you know, it's been over 20 years now. Our relationship still isn't the best. I mean, he was gone for, for 12 years, but I've really tried to, as I've become an adult, put it into perspective. Like, what was he dealing with back then in the Philippines? You know, yeah. what was his situation like? And it's taken me a long time to really get there. But now, you know, he comes down to visit. He's a great grandpa to the kids. Actually, my oldest is going to the Philippines in January. He bought him a, a ticket for his graduation. And so, you know, we really have been really for the last 20 years working on building 
and healing, you know, that type of relationship thing. And I've had a chance and opportunity to even coach him on my other brothers. And it's just been a really, really cool 360 degree turnaround from not meeting your father till you're 12 to now having a great relationship and having him be involved. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't ask for anything, uh, anything more. Wow. Wow. So, but, but dad gave me a job, man. So that's, you know, that, that was a kind of a long way around to say I had to call the man, but I need you to know who the man was folks. So, so now that you know who the man is, so I've called here, I am calling my dad and, you know, I, I'd done landscaping him from 12 to, you know, 20, 20 years old every summer. That was like how I made my summer money. I would do landscaping. So I just call, I said, dad, do you have any opportunities? Like, can I come, can we move there? And can I work with you? And I'm going to tell you something he did that may irritate some of you, but I'm glad he did it this way. He said, yes, you can come live with me for 30 days. <laughs> and so he put a little sense of urgency. He like, you know, he, and I'm glad he did this at the time. I was Natalie, Natalie my wife was like, seriously, he's only going to let us live with him for a month. But I know what he was doing. He was like showing me like, Hey, let's put your button gear. I'm giving you a job. Let's, let's go get you some money. And then you can go get your own place and like start to build your life. I, I appreciate that. He was pushing me towards independence. He even had to co-sign yeah. For our first apartment, didn't have any credit. He co-signed for it. It was way more than we can afford, but we were we were in our place a month later. And man, that that taught us a lot. It taught us how to eat ramen. It taught us, you know, how to budget shop. It taught us how to be frugal new parents, especially with no insurance. Getting a six hundred dollar bill from a doctor I saw for two minutes, I was like. All right. Well, I guess I need to figure out how to get benefits, right? So, so you know, I actually Congrats. worked with him for for about a year, you know, and I was uh we were living in that apartment building, and I would always come in to get packages on Saturdays. And a lady in the leasing office, she goes, "Man, you're always so happy. Every time I see you, you walk in to get a package. You're always so nice." She's like, "Have you ever done sales?" I'm like, "Yeah, I've been doing sales my entire life. I'm doing landscaping right now." And she started talking to me about this new position called a leasing consultant. And I was like, I don't really know what that is, but do you have benefits? <laughs> right. This is kind of my, my ticket out. Right. And so yeah. she said, yeah, we offer medical, dental, vision, 401k. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And yes. All right. Yeah. When can I apply? You know, I was very interested and my dad was a little heartbroken when I told him that I was going to take a new job and maybe could help him on the weekends, but he was very proud of the opportunity. And Fast forward 15 years later, I stayed with that company. I went from leasing agent. In six months, I got promoted from leasing agent to assistant manager, which is basically a bookkeeper. And I hated math. So I busted my butt for nine months to get promoted to property manager. And then I managed multiple properties. And then I spent eight years in training and development, which is where I really got my professional development acumen. You know, I got certified in Myers-Briggs. So I'm a, you know, MBTI certified instructor. I got certified in sales enablement. I got certified as an advanced instructor through the National Apartment Association and Education Institute. So I started really diving into professional development, diving into leadership. In 2019, I was kind of really, uh, I thought I was in the prime with my company and uh, I was teaching leadership programs. I was getting recognized. I was kind of, you know, moving up in the organization. And then I started really getting active on LinkedIn and LinkedIn at the time, 
is it's really when video just started to come out on LinkedIn. And so I, you know, saw some creators doing some stuff, reached out to a couple of them. They gave me advice and told me like, you're going to crush this. You need to start showing up. You're going to build a bigger audience than me just kind of fed some life into me. And, you know, you fast forward four years later, I've really built a large audience there of, you know, audience followers and newsletter subscribers. And uh, it really showed me that I could coach and teach people how to do the same on that platform. And I launched a 12 week coaching program. That's uh, really been a huge blessing for my business. And, and today I just love working with people and coaching them, not just on LinkedIn, but we've now evolved to YouTube and to TikTok and all the platforms. And I've really dove into understanding with the algorithms and, and really human psychology. If you know that, then you, you understand how to make things work on social media, but you know, it's been a journey. It's been a long uh, journey. I've, I've now been blazing my trail as an entrepreneur for a couple of years. And of course, launched the podcast uh, January 1st, 2020, not knowing there's going to be this global pandemic. And you fast forward three years later, we're now in 70 countries and one and a half percent for entrepreneurship. So uh, it's been a long uh, journey. And uh, I know that was a a ton for your audience to unpackage, but uh, I'm, I'm truly honored to be able to share with the hopes to inspire others. Absolutely. You know, something that comes to mind for me, I, I I love mindset. I love I love how the brain works. I love to to study all that stuff. And but you know, you didn't meet your dad until you were 12 years old. But there was something that you got from him that oh hard hard work, man. Yeah. His hard work, his work ethic, drive. determination. Yeah. yeah. When I when he told me that he's been working since he was seven. He was literally in the rice fields in the Philippines with a caribou was his like, that was what helped him plow the rice fields. And then he went in the Philippine army and then he was a seaman and traveled painting ships all over the world. And then he, you know, jumped ship for the American dream, worked for a landscaping company two years to hone his craft before he launched his business, which he's now had 40 years and is set to retire. I mean, that's grit. That's determination. That is... You, you know, even though there's plenty of areas that him and I bump heads, I will never discount what he taught me and what he showed me the value of that hard work, you know, and, and, you know, yeah. Hey, do, don't just do the bare basics of a job. You need to do it and make the customer happy. So like, I just give you an example. We would do in the heat of me working with them, we would do 35 yards a day in DC, 35 a yards a day. That, that's a challenge, especially with all the one ways and the U-turns and you know all the stuff you're doing with DC traffic. And he would literally go behind our jobs. And if we if he found such as a stick in the yard, we would have to go back and pick it up. I mean, right. he was meticulous. He wanted to make sure he never spent a, a dime on advertising. His business cards are still white, say his name and his phone number on him. Like now that's probably to his detriment. I think he could have made a yeah. lot, he left a lot of money on the table. We're not talking marketing here, but in hindsight, I'm like, man, I wish I knew what I knew now back then. Cause I could have showed you some things, dad, but, but again, he, he did it his way. He was able to buy a boarding house and build a boarding house in the Philippines with that money. He was able to support his family back there. He built a, his retirement home, which he's getting ready to go live at. I mean, there was so much that he did uh, with his business. And, and, you know, I just hope that he, he knows how proud I am of him because he's been a great Absolutely. role model of someone that's, you know, had success in business. That's, you know, it's, it's funny the the, the different aspects of who you are from both parents. And, and 
while they're both different, they're also the same. Yeah. Overcoming the drive, overcoming obstacles and, um, and, and the meticulous, I mean, they're just absolutely amazing. So you're, tell us a little bit about your podcast and, and, and who your yeah. audience is and, and then, um, and then how, how somebody can reach, reach you if they want to like to work with you. Cause I think, yeah, um, of course. If you're not working with Jordan, you need to you need to be working with Jordan. Absolutely. Yeah. So the show it's called Blaze Your Own Trail. If you just Google, you know, Blaze Your Own Trail podcast, or you can Google Jordan Mendoza podcast. We've got a lot of that real estate. So you can find us on pretty much every platform out there: Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Pandora, all of them we're on. And the show is about uh trailblazers. You know, Scott is gonna be, you know, his episode will be airing soon. He's a trailblazer, he's someone that you know goes against the status quo, wants better things, is not afraid to take risks, is not afraid to innovate, you know, as when when you can kind of find your natural gifts, your talents, and your strengths. I always tell my clients, like, you need to go all in, you need to hone those, you need yeah. to activate your strengths because if you don't activate strengths, they start to diminish over time. But when we can actively dive into those strengths, that's really when the the most comes out of them. And so, you know, the show is really similar to this in the sense that I want to hear people's backstory. I want to find out what makes them tick, what makes them who they are today. What have they been through? What adversity have they gone through that's helped shape who they are? Because that's a trailblazer. You know, trailblazers are people that don't give up. They, they, they're, they're get rejected a ton, but they just keep coming back for some reason. And, and, you know, well, if one company fails, they start the next one. Cause I've had plenty of failed ventures over the years, failed startups, failed ideas, money wasted, money spent. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, as, as long as we keep showing up, you know, something's going to eventually work. Something's eventually going to stick to the wall, but you've got to, you've got to be the one that says, I'm not going to give up. You know, I may pivot, I may change direction and changing your mind folks is a gift, especially if it comes based on new information that you've received. So if you want to look up the show, you can find it, um, you know, anywhere on, uh, all those platforms. And if you want to work with me directly, if you're a business owner and you're someone that says, you know what, I know I need to show up more. I know I I know I have a message for the world and you need to get it out there. You need to increase that online presence. Maybe you're, you want to show up on the top page of Google. You want to build a, a large audience so you can have more impact and influence, which ultimately leads to more revenue. Uh, I'll make it simple. I'll just give you my direct email address. Just email me, Jordan at blazeyourowntrailconsulting.com. I'd be happy to jump on a call and just see if I'm a good fit. And if I'm not uh, in my network, I have plenty of people I'll be able to resource you with. I'm not a paid ads guy. So if you're looking for paid ads, I've got someone for that. I'm more teaching you the organic way to not only build a brand that's sustainable, but that can actually bring in revenue for your business. Absolutely. And we're going to have those, those, uh, that email address and that, that, uh, uh, podcast in the show notes and um you know something that i came across the other day jordan and, me, and i'd like to explore this with you a little bit just a little sure. um little teaser here is this idea of an entrepreneurial P ptsd um so many times we fail and it's really it, it affects us it's it's it can be traumatic um and while we're not talking about ptsd in the form of combat and war and that kind of stuff but just this idea that entrepreneurs and and those in business that they they get up they get knocked down they get up they get knocked down they get up they get knocked down and and I think that you and I working together in that aspect of helping people overcome that that will be something in our future. So just a little teaser there. Absolutely. To think about. And, uh, Absolutely. Uh, 
I love it. Jordan, I am, man, I am so excited. I'm looking forward to hopefully meeting you in person soon. And um, yeah, yeah, we actually come down to Florida every year, sometimes twice a year. So we're not, we're not too far from you. Yeah, absolutely. Jordan, thank you again for coming on and and, uh, look forward to, to what the future holds. I appreciate the opportunity.